0: I want you to open your Bibles with me today to Matthew chapter 26. Today we're going to be walking into a passage as we're leading up to Easter. Easter, it's hard to believe, is just a couple of weeks away. Uh, It's amazing that that we're we're, we're moving through the year so quickly. And I do want to just take a moment and remind you about Easter here at Thomas Road. Uh, 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 11 a.m., three identical services where we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power that is found in Christ and so I encourage you to, you know, make plans, invite people. I told you a couple of weeks ago, identify, pray for, look for that one person that God's going to put into your life to make a difference in, to speak truth into their lives, and we want to pray that. But we also need some help from you, because we know we're going to have thousands of people here that day gathered, uh, visitors who will be coming and being a part of that service with us, and so we do need some help. Because we actually are going to be having our children's programs and the nursery programs, all the things that we normally do. And so we need your help to, you know, if you want to choose a time to be in a service and then choose a time to help serve in a service to reach out to those who will be visiting and gathering with us, I would encourage you to stop by the Connect Center out in Main Street. And connect with them, talk with them. Uh, We would love to have you help us out that day because we're praying for, we do it every year and we're gonna do it again this year. We're gonna pray that God would bring revival into this room and that we would see souls saved in ways we've never seen before. And I believe, again, the power of God can do what we pray for because that's what God's word says. We pray for revival. And so we need your help. So be thinking about that. But today we're gonna be walking into this passage we're going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane, a time when, when Jesus was beginning that journey to the cross that we'll be talking about next week and in the following week. And as we walk through this passage today, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on a kind of a couple of sentences that Jesus uh, said, some words that he said that will change everything in our lives if we can truly understand them and truly grab a hold of them. Some of the words that we're going to be talking about are, are, to be honest with you, some of the most painful words that we find that ever came out of Christ's lips while He walked on this earth. And so as we're walking through the series that we've been in entitled Words Matter, what well, we recognize these words today that we're going to be talking about are words that, that not only do we need to hear, not only do we need to understand, but that we need to apply in our own lives. And so we need to grab a hold of those words and actually use them as guidance for us in what we go through. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26, again a familiar story, but but oftentimes a lot of the things that are so familiar in Scripture, we really don't take the time to kind of dig in and find exactly some some interesting and some important truths that we can hear, that we can see, that will actually make a difference in our lives. And so Matthew chapter 26, we're going to begin with reading with verse 36 here, and it says this, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he, Jesus, went on a little farther, and he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then he returned to the disciples, found them asleep. And he said to Peter, could not you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time. Saying the same things again. And then he came to the disciples and he said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Now, obviously, this is a familiar passage. This is a passage after it took the place in the in the upper room and they had the, the, the Lord's Supper there. We, we talked about that last week. We observed the Lord's Supper last week. And then they left the upper room. They made their way down through the Kidron Valley over into the Garden of Gethsemane. You can still today uh, even visit that same garden. You can go into that place and you can see that even some of those olive trees that are there today... Uh, They've actually identified, they've actually done scientific research on some of those trees that actually those trees are, some of them are over 2,000 years old, meaning the same trees that Jesus prayed under 2,000 years ago today are still in that garden. And Jesus went there with his disciples. They gathered in that place. And and when he got there, he he told the disciples, you guys stay here and pray. And, And then it says that he went a little farther. My dad used to preach a, a sermon actually out of this passage and, and he called it going a little farther, talking about that, that extra step, that extra move that we take in following after God. And so Jesus, when he got into that garden, he, he, he went a little further and he went to pray and he said some amazing things, some powerful things that today we're going to spend time looking at. And then it says when he came back, he found the disciples asleep. And so what happened, obviously, it was a pretty nice night. We don't know what the date was. You do realize that Easter, when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, it changes every year. So if you haven't figured it out yet, it's not exactly the same day that Jesus actually rose from the grave. You know that, right? And if you've ever sat there and thought, well, wait a minute, Easter was in March last year and it's in April this year. What, What is going on here? You know that it's not connected to it. Well, we don't know when it was, but we do know that it was such a nice night, it was such a, a pleasant experience that, that when the disciples got there, even though Jesus said that my sorrow is overwhelming, I'm crushed with grief in a sense, he, he told them like, like, I am overwhelmed with sorrow. That the disciples who had left everything to follow after him, they were sitting over there underneath the tree and they were, they were taking a nap, but not Jesus. Jesus was saying some things that that today I want us to grab a hold of and understand for when those moments come in our own lives, for when those moments happen in our situation and in our journey where where we truly don't know what to do, when we are sitting there facing something and we are crying out to God, passionately crying to God to bring deliverance, to bring hope, to bring a, a rescue moment for us that we will learn from Christ and Christ alone what to do, how to do it, how to experience it as we walk through this. And the picture we get from this passage, again, directly from the words of Jesus are simply these, asking God to remove you from your present pain is okay asking God to remove you from what you're going through is okay there are a lot of people I've heard people who come to me and, and they, they've talked to me through many times through the years and, and they, they feel somewhat guilty sometimes asking God to you know to bring them out of a, a situation they feel like you know I'm praying for God to heal me and God's not doing it they're, and they're, they're at this point where they're they're not sure whether it's right to ask God to deliver them but notice what happened in this passage in Matthew chapter 26 interesting story Jesus said, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Now let me give you some quick, just a quick understanding. If Jesus, the son of God, asked God the father to deliver him from the suffering that he was about to go under, do you think it's okay for us to ask God to deliver us from the suffering that we're experiencing? That pain that you're going through, that, that trial that you're walking through, of course it's okay. And you've got to recognize and understand, and remember now, this is Jesus, the Son of God, who is walking on this earth. And it says in this passage, in the verse just right before the one we just read, it says that Jesus said that he was literally crushed with grief. Now you think about that. When's the last time that you were crushed with grief? There have been times in my life where I've been there, when I knelt on my dad's office floor next to him as he had was slipping away as his life was slipping away from him and I was there praying out to God and holding his hand and I was kneeling next to him on the floor. Let me just tell you, I was crushed with grief when I jumped in that ambulance and, and rode with them to the hospital while they were doing CPR and all the other things trying to, to bring my dad back. Man, I was, I was praying and I was full of sorrow. I was crushed with grief. There are moments that we go through where we are crushed with grief and that's what Jesus was going through. He was in a moment where the grief was so overwhelming, the grief was so intense, that literally Jesus, think about this, now think about this, the Son of God, and He actually used the word that He was crushed with grief. Now that ought to be an encouragement to us. That ought to be an encouragement to all of us, that the fact that Jesus experience that kind of pain and suffering, because let's be honest, there are times that we feel like that God doesn't understand what we're going through. You ever felt like that? Like you're going through a moment, it's just like, God, you don't get it. God, you don't understand what I'm facing. God, you don't understand the pain that I'm experiencing. God, you just don't understand, so God, take this away from me. And yet Jesus in the garden, he made the statement, I am crushed with grief. I am crushed with sorrow. Jesus gets it. Jesus understands it, and by what he did in the garden when he made that statement, when he uttered those words, Father, if you can, if it's possible, if you're willing, God, would you deliver me from this pain? God, would you let this pass from me? In other words, God, would you let me not have to go through what I know is just ahead? Jesus, the Son of God, uttered those words, which means this, man, we're taught by Jesus himself, it's okay when you're sitting there going through the most painful moments of your life, it is okay to say, God, deliver me. God, rescue me. God, give me hope. God, bring me through the situation. We see all through Scripture stories of people who did that. Paul had that present pain that he was going through. Remember, it tells us in 2 Corinthians that three times he begged God, he begged God to take away that thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that thorn was, but I can guarantee you if the Apostle Paul, arguably the greatest Christian that has ever lived except for Christ himself, if he begged God to take it away, I can guarantee you one thing, whatever that thorn was, it was pretty significant. It it was pretty significant. It was something that was overwhelming. It was something probably in his journey that he was crushed with grief. Paul, again, taught us that lesson. He prayed that prayer. God, three times he prayed, take this away from me. All through Scripture there are stories of people praying, God, deliver me. Samson prayed it when he was blinded, praying, God, give me just a little bit more strength to make it through. Job prayed it over and over again. God, deliver me in this situation. David, the book of Psalms is full of David crying out to God, God, deliver me from my enemies. God, deliver me from this pain that I'm experiencing. It's way too much for me to take. I, I, don't, I, I can't do it, God. I don't have what it takes, God. Uh, they're, they're all around me they're surrounding me and David over and over and over again he said God deliver me deliver me it is okay in the journey that you're in and the situation that you are going through it is okay to ask God to deliver you from your present pain but even though it's okay to ask God to deliver you from your current pain that that's okay complaining is not okay Complaining is not okay, and that's where so many of us mess up. Jesus was not complaining in the garden when he was begging God to remove this this journey from him, to to make this pass, this cup pass from him. Jesus was not complaining. Look what it says in, in verse 39, the last part of that verse. It says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time that you were in the middle of like present pain? I mean, like overwhelming pain, crushed in grief. When was the last time that you were facing something that was so significant that you didn't know what to do? And when you prayed the prayer, God, please deliver me. God, I've got a financial struggle. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. God, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. God, please give me freedom here. Give me deliverance here. When's the last time you followed up that request with this statement? But God, whatever your will is, that's what I want done. When's the last time that you were in the middle of a, a situation that was so intense that your, your pain, maybe a sickness, maybe an illness, where the doctor said, there is no hope. The doctor said, that there's nothing more that we can do. And you have sat there and you prayed, God, give me a miracle. Let me tell you, we, we prayed for miracles, right? I mean, Probably in this room, there are a lot of people who prayed for miracles in that kind of a situation, either for yourself or for someone that you love. I mean, I've prayed that prayer. I've prayed that prayer at least in the last, you know, 12, 13 years. I've prayed it that I know at least twice in my life. I prayed it with my dad that I told you about a few moments ago. I prayed it with my mom as she began a journey that walked her through dementia and and took her away from us. I prayed that prayer. God, give me a miracle. But when's the last time that you prayed that prayer? God, give me a miracle. But God, your will, not mine, be done. You see, there's a difference. Because what happens is this. When we are praying for God to rescue, when we're praying for God to deliver, when we are praying for God to bring us through our present pain, if we do not have sight of, recognition of, that God's will is better and greater, His ways are far greater than ours, if we do not have recognition of that truth, then what we will be left with, if God doesn't answer us when we want Him to answer us, exactly the way that we've asked, we're left with bitterness. We're left with complaining. God, you don't care. God, why would you do this? God, how could you let this happen? I'm not asking for a show of hands, but, but let's be honest. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you've been asking God for something and begging God for something, and God didn't respond the way that you wanted Him to respond, and you left in that situation, you were left with the statement, God, Why? gotta be honest with you i think probably in this room probably every single one of us at some point in our lives in our spiritual journeys we've asked to god uh, ask god why why god why did this happen why did you let this happen to me god why didn't you answer the way that i asked? god why did you bring me through this you see that's the question that we bring ourselves to when we don't have full sight and understanding of what it is that god is doing in this passage in verse 39 when Jesus made that statement, you know, God, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me, he was saying, let, let this, let me not go through what I'm about to go through. And then in verse 39, when he used that word yet, that yet, word yet is the Greek word plain. And it's not the kind of plane that you get on to go on a trip. It's a kind of plane that literally means nevertheless, or, or regardless, or, or but, or even in some ways of translation, it means only. So think about it from that context. Jesus said, God, let this pass from me. God, don't let me go through this. God, I don't want to do this. I'm crushed with grief because of what I'm about to experience. Yet, or in the context of translation here, God, I don't want to do this. God, deliver me from this. But only your will, not mine, be done. So in other words... It's not even the idea of understanding that God's ways are better than ours. They're higher than ours. It's understanding this, that no matter what we even pray for, that what we deeply desire in our hearts is not even that we get our way, that we want only for God's will and God's way to come true. That we only want God's will to be done. Now listen, that's a difficult thing to pray. It's an easy thing to talk about when you're church, right? Right? It's an easy thing when we're sitting in this room to say, yeah, I only want God's will to be done until you're sitting there next to the bed of someone you love that is slipping away. And then you pray, well, I only want God's will to be done. What if God's will is to take them home? Then you see how it gets a little bit more difficult when we're right in the middle of the storm. See, it's okay to ask God to deliver us, but it's not okay to complain. Go back again to talking about Paul when he asked three times for that thorn to be removed from him. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. It says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, Paul made this statement. No matter how difficult this is, no matter how bad this journey is, no matter how much I want these three thorns to be, I mean, these thorns to be taken from me, regardless of how intense the pain is, I would rather rejoice in what I'm going through if it is the will of God so that I can find joy in God's plan. Man, that's a difficult thing to pray. Man, that's a difficult thing to really truly grab a hold of when you're in the midst of a storm. And I look around this room, and I, I gotta be honest with you, I see thousands of stories in this room. And some of them I know, I know some of the journeys that... That some of you are on. I don't know certainly all of the journeys, but I know this that that if in this room there's you know four thousand people, I know this there's probably four thousand stories of pain here. There's four thousand stories of, of difficulty that you're going through today. there's there's four thousand situations that you either have gone through or are going through, or as my dad used to say, or oh, you'll get the phone call tomorrow that you're going through, where you are in the midst of a painful journey. And when you go back to what Jesus taught us in the garden, those words that he uttered, that Paul taught us in his situation, that even in the midst of that pain, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rejoice because I want to be fully in God's will no matter what. Now listen, let's be honest. In hearing these statements... If you were a person that really didn't kind of have an understanding of who God is and, and didn't really understand the, the love of God and the power of God and the presence of God in your life, here's what you could kind of walk away from here with. You could kind of walk away from here from the ideas, like, that's not a God I want to serve. Like, that doesn't really sound like a God that's a loving God. That really doesn't sound like a God that, that I want to give my life to. That, that literally, like, like, if I'm in a situation where, where I'm losing something very important to me, and yet God, in His perfect providence and His sovereignty and His will, that it could actually be that the better thing God thinks is for that person to be taken from me, really? Is that the best way? Here's what you always have to understand. God sees the picture that you do not see. God understands the journey that you can't understand god understands the the situations that we're going through the the moments that we walk through and so jesus taught us in this moment in the garden that when he was saying there god let this pass from me yet only your will be done not mine he taught us here that we need to seek god's deliverance in every situation that we might be facing and that ultimately we accept it and even rejoice in the middle of it why Because when we recognize that at times God's best is revealed in what we consider to be our worst, think about that for a moment. That the God who spoke everything into existence, the God who created everything with just a word, the God that we talk about who's omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent means he's always there, the God the Bible says to him, nothing is too difficult, the God that it tells us that, that He loves us so much that He was willing to allow His Son Jesus to die on the cross for us so He rose again for us to give us an opportunity through belief of spending eternity with Him. The God that, that, that the Bible tells us is the one that says that nothing, Romans 8, can separate us from the love of God. The God that in God's Word that tells us that nothing can take us out of His hand, the God that tells us in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 that even when you blow it, He's always willing to forgive no matter what you see. When you understand the nature of God, the goodness of God, the power of God, the presence of God, and what God's desire is, is always the best when you understand that, then you're also at the point where you begin to recognize that sometimes what we ask for is not what we actually need. That sometimes what we beg God for ultimately is not the best plan. It's not the the way that God's glory and God's power will truly be revealed. And so, yes, it's okay to ask God to remove our present pain, but complaining about it is not okay. That's not right. And so how do we accomplish this? I think of Johnny Erickson Tata, many of you know her story. As a teenager, out with friends, she goes out and she dives into the ocean, and when she dives into the ocean, the, the area that she dove into was it was too shallow, and her neck was snapped, and she was instantly made a quadriplegic. And now she's spent her entire life as a quadriplegic, and her entire life not able to use her hands or her feet. She actually writes by putting a pen in her mouth. She can actually paint pictures by doing that. You know, many of you know her story. And I think about it, I've heard her story and her testimony so many times. We've actually had her here at Thomas Road where we shared, the, she shared her testimony with all of us where even in the midst of that, where many times she said, God, let this pass from me. God, bring a miracle. God, bring healing. God didn't. And even today, she's still in that wheelchair. And now, going through a battle with cancer. And you could say, well, seriously, God, why is that the best plan? Here's why. Because there are millions of people all around the world that have been influenced by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because decades and decades ago, When she jumped into that water and her neck snapped and she prayed, God, let this pass from me, God didn't. Now, had there been moments in her journey where she asked the question why? She would tell you, yeah, there's been lots of questions. Lots of times where she's doubted the the providence of God, the sovereignty of God in that moment. Like, "How how can this be the best thing for me? But you see, when you stop looking at it and what's in it for you, and you start looking at what is in God's best will and God's best plan, when you look at it from that perspective, it changes everything. I know people, I've met people. There are people in this church who are today followers of Christ because she jumped into the water decades ago and snapped her neck. Think about that. God's will, God's way is always better than ours. So, How do we get to the place in our lives? In our journey, where we're kind of walking in that journey, right, where we're in that place where we can recognize that it's okay to ask God to remove us, but it's never okay to complain. And here's what we have to recognize from this passage according to Jesus' words here in the garden. To do the will of God requires total dependence on God. If we're going to be in the will of God, it requires total dependence on God. Look what Jesus said in verse 41. He said, keep watch and pray, talking to the disciples, so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. In other words, in our physical flesh, in who we are as human beings, it is difficult to do what Jesus taught us here. But when we keep watch, when we keep connected to the power of God, to the Holy Spirit of God within us, that's when we'll see deliverance the apostle paul again second corinthians chapter 12 tells us this verse 10 therefore i take pleasure in my infirmities in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for christ's sake why for when i am weak that is when i am strong think about that paul said this listen these thorns that i'm dealing with the situation i'm going through the times that i've been beaten the times that i've been thrown in jail the time i was stoned to the point where where they wanted to kill me The time they left me for dead, the shipwrecks that I've been in, all this journey, all this stuff, all this horrific thing that I have been through, here's what it is. I rejoice in that. Why? Because it is when I am in that moment that I begin to see the power of God, that I'm no longer left to try to do it on my own. I find myself in total dependence on God. And when you get there, oh, that's when you begin to experience the power and the strength of God in ways that you never thought possible. Paul said, when I'm weak, when I'm at my lowest, when I'm at my worst, when I don't know what to do, when I don't know what to turn, man, that's when I find strength. Jesus said, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Paul said, I rejoice because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. So here's the question, like, what about you? Like, like, where are you in this journey? Like, how can you get to the place When you recognize, what if Jesus, his prayers in the garden, what if God had answered them? Think about that for a moment. He uttered those words in the garden, Jesus, let this cup pass from me. What if God would have said, okay? When he said, don't let me go through this suffering because I'm crushed with grief. What if God would have said, okay, you don't have to. Here's what would have happened we would be sitting here 2,000 years later without any hope of salvation at all. You see, God's way, God's plan, God's deliverance is far greater than anything that you can possibly imagine. Today, we sit here and we all go through different journeys, through different situations where, men, oftentimes we're like wondering, like, God, I can't do this anymore. You've put so much on me, God, so much pain, so much suffering. I think of my brother here, Benji. Come here, Benji. Do you mind? Come here, buddy. Benji's my buddy. We, we sit together pretty much every Sunday here at church. Come on up here. Come on up here, Benji. So Benji's my friend. We, 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 we worship together, don't we? And, and we, we, we love each other. He's my buddy. Benji was, was born with Down syndrome. And so for his entire life, he's been through that journey. Incredible young man. Awesome young man. Not long ago... Was diagnosed with cancer. The doctors and I've been with him in the hospital. Benji, you know this story where the doctors have said there's no hope, like there's nothing more that we can do. I visited with Benji in the intensive care unit at Univers- University of Virginia, where he was sitting there, and literally, the doctors like, "Yeah, we don't know that there's much left to do." The other day, I was with Jason Schoenfelder, one of our pastors here at the church, and. We were driving back to the office and after lunch, and, and Jason wanted to stop at Starbucks and pick up coffee, you know, $5 coffee. Um, I stayed in the car. I don't drink $5 coffee. And so Jason went in, and he went in to get his cup of coffee that was, you know, whatever. And uh, way overpriced, but that's a whole other story. And while he was in Starbucks, Benji was in there, and and. And Benji, a guy who has been through lots of struggles and lots of pain and lots of suffering and lots of uncertainty and lots of things in his life. We've talked about that. Jason was there, and and when Jason went in there, Benji grabbed Jason and he said, Jason, can I pray for you? And in the middle of Starbucks, Benji began praying for Jason, praying for for. God's power, and God's presence, and God's deliverance, and, and just praying for Him right out loud, right in the middle of, of Starbucks, man, what an encouragement, here's what this is, this is a story, this is a story of no matter what you are going through, yes, we pray for God for healing, yes, we pray for God for deliverance, yes, we pray, God, bring me through this, yet, God, your will, not mine, be done. I've told you the story before when I went to visit him in UVA at the intensive care unit when literally doctors said there's no hope. I went to pray with him and encourage him. And while I was there, I tried to encourage him. It didn't work. He didn't, he didn't want to hear from me. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted to pray for me. Do me a favor, Benji. Yes, sir. I want you to pray for us today. Yes, sir. And I want you to pray for the people gathered in this room. Because, Benji, let me tell you what we've got. If you look out, see all these people out here? You see the people on that camera right there? Yes, sir. People all over the world are watching right now. And let me just tell you what it's going on. Let me just tell you what it is. People are hurting. You are going through situations where you don't know the answer. You don't know how to make it. You don't know what you're going to do. And you've been sitting there praying, God, God, deliver me. God, deliver me. And then left with the question, God, why have you not? The answer is not found in why is God not? The answer is always found in trusting God no matter what. So, Benji, would you do me a favor? Yes, Would sir. you pray for these people that whatever they might be going through, that God would give them the understanding, the awareness, that God's ways are always better. Would you yes, pray for sir. us? Let's pray together today.
1: Eternal, everlasting, Emmanuel. Father, we come before you. We face so much in life. We're not dependent upon this world. I pray that we, have, we are the living hope. You have built our foundations on your word. I pray for those who are struggling, those who are hurting. Father, you know every thought, every word, indeed. Father, I pray that we would stop being disobedient, live a life of obedience, to die to ourselves and pick up our cross and follow you. I pray that they would not hear my word or see my face. They would hear your word and see your face that we need to be the church that needs to be transformed, transparent, transfixed upon righteousness, that we will cling to your word. I don't want to be famous being on the stage or getting all the praise, but giving it to you, Lord. Thank you for Mr. Jonathan. Thank you for everyone here. We love you because you have first loved us. Thank you that you came to this earth so that we can be like you, Lord. I pray for all of those who need you, and especially for my family. Thank you for this day. We bring all these things in. in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, buddy. Have a minute. Today we heard a prayer from a guy who has every reason to complain and doesn't. So let me throw it back out at you. What about you? Are you going to go through pain? Count on it. Is it going to be overwhelming sometime? Oh, you bet. Is it going to hurt so much that you don't know if you can make it through? I promise you that's going to happen. Are you going to get to the place like where Jesus was? The Son of God, where He uttered those words, I am crushed with grief. Are you going to get there? Yeah. The world would say, when you get to that place, curse God and die. But God would say this My grace is sufficient. Whatever it is you're going through, my grace is sufficient. I know there are people in this room right here today that your hearts are so heavy. That you are in a place in your life, in your journey, where you, you literally think, I can't do it anymore. And you found yourself saying, God, why? I know that's true. And I know you might be there. But here's one thing I do know, and I don't want you to walk out of this room today without really understanding. The God of all comfort, the God of all encouragement, the God who loves you so much that he let his son Jesus die on the cross for you, the God who literally allowed his son to die so that he could have the right, the privilege, and the opportunity of having you with him for eternity, that God is on your side. And he loves you, and he cares for you, and he's with you every step of the way. So what's your response? Father, today, Lord, we've learned a great lesson today from Jesus. In the garden when his heart was broken, in the garden where he was crushed with grief, in the garden where he said, just let this, let this pass, God, I don't want to do this. But, but but still, God, your will, not mine, be done. Lord, I pray for all of us in this room, that would be our prayer. That our prayer would always be, God, deliver, but God, your will, your will be done. Right now, as we take a few moments to respond to what God is saying to our hearts, I pray that you would, Lord, allow us freedom in this moment. Lord, to do what it is that you're calling us to do, that we would react and respond the way you've called us to respond, God, that you would do a a work in the lives of people gathered here. And God, if there's somebody that doesn't know you today, Lord, that they would know that that God that we've been talking about today loves them so much that he allowed his son Jesus to die for them. He rose again. And Romans chapter 10 says, all that we must do is believe and call on his name. God, I pray that today we'll see that happen. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, we're gonna stand in a moment. We're gonna sing together. And when we do, the altar's open. Our team is here. And if you're sitting here today and God has been like pulling at your heartstrings today, maybe you're going through something and you need to come down here and just say, God, I've been praying the wrong way. So God, today, your will, not mine. That is what I desire. Maybe you want to come and just kneel here and just make that your prayer. Again, quoting Jesus. God, nevertheless, your will, not mine, be done. Maybe that's what you want to do. Maybe you want to come down here and talk with one of our team members about a prayer need or situation. Maybe you want to come down and have them talk to you a little bit more about who Jesus is and, and what He's done. Maybe you want to come down and join our church or come for baptism, whatever that might be. Whatever God is speaking to your heart today, I encourage you, I challenge you, do not allow your human nature to keep you from responding to the God who is in you, the God who is calling you, So today, let's stand. Let's sing together. And if God is speaking to your heart, I encourage you, step out right now. You. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope and today that's the message that we want to share with you and if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of of connecting with him at that level of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear and that's this God loves you he loves you with an everlasting love in fact he gave his only son Jesus to come to this earth to die on the cross to pay for your sins and for my sins to do for us what we never could do for ourselves What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you, Christ died for you, but three days later he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10:13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes to Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today, I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope, to let the world know God loves.